And I'll tell you guys since we're since we're all friends. Every character I write has a piece of me in them. Hi, I'm Lee Bardugo. You're listening to the Grisha Cast. Welcome to Grisha Cast, episode 95. In this episode, we will be discussing chapters 32 and 33 from the book Rule of Wolves. This is your host, Eric. And I'm Terry. From Nashville, Tennessee, this is your podcast for all things Grishaverse. A world created by the season two secret keeper, Lee Bardugo. Moisavayenyi casters. Hi. Hi. Ah. So let's go on into our listener cities. Yay. One of my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. I want to say hello and thank you to those in Coimbatore, India. Thank you so much. Thank you. And next, we're going to Odensa, Denmark. Thank you so much, listeners. Yay. We love you and yeah. Thanks. Appreciate you so much. We do. We do. So, yeah, this is um exciting. I mean, I'm excited for the week. I'm excited for it's a it's a short work week for most of us here in the U.S. Yeah. So, I'm just it. It's nice. We get a four day weekend. Yes. <laughs> um. Very much needed. Yeah. So, how has your week been? It's been slow, thankfully. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, because um, you know, dealing with the public, uh, this week most people haven't needed many things or wanted to be out, so it's been uh, fairly, fairly quiet. Gotten a few things done and got to work from home today, which Ooh. was silent and and fun and yeah. That's awesome. I got to leave work two hours early i had the option for that and it was it was really kind of cool i yeah so it was nice it was a surprise and anyways have you tasted our tea yet no not yet it was like super hot so i was giving it a second okay so i've got this great tea that terry is tasting right now and it is another tazo tea that is called vanilla bean macaron and I'm just going to say, well, let's first say, what does Terry think? It's good. It's got like a, I don't know how to describe it, kind of a, a bakery, like a baked good kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It tastes like dessert mm-hmm. more it than is. any uh, any other tea I think I've tried. Mm-hmm. It's good. It is. So, well, yeah, I was very excited <laughs> about that. So that's some good stuff. Um, Well, cool. Yeah. One thing that happened um, that I thought was neat that actually is Right before recording, Lee got out of like her hibernation is what I call it when she's writing and she actually posted a video and pretty much is just saying hi to all of us again, but saying that she is so excited about season two of Shadow and Bone and she can't... Which they'll be recording soon. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... She's got so much that she wants to tell us, but she can't yet. But she said, "Hopefully soon." But <laughs> I don't. I know, and I am very excited about that. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really kind of cool, and yeah. So, anyways, I'm trying to think. <laughs> and any of those out there that are Outlander fans got very yes. excited <laughs> Tuesday, Still- yesterday. 
Um, Monday, there was a big celebration. Um, I was there uh, online. That was a lot of fun. Got to hear a lot of, um, like, Diana talked for a long time. So that was, it was so much fun to hear her talk about her world. And um, then the at midnight, the uh, the new book came out. So <laughs> it's been seven years. Those of you who aren't Outlander fans, uh, Diana Gabaldon has a very long space in between each book because all of her books are heavily researched. They are all based in fact, mostly. It's um, mostly historical fiction, but the historical part of it is factual. So it takes a lot of research. And this one took seven years. Imagine waiting seven years. So yeah. um, so everybody that is an Outlander fan is very um, conflicted because it came out right before <laughs> the holidays mm-hmm. when you can't really sit and read. <laughs> so well, it's hard. <laughs> you can do it. I, you can always find time. Did you, so did you start at midnight? No, I didn't because I had to go to work. Um, But I snuck in a few pages before I left for work and then I snuck a few pages in during work. Good. (laughs) Well, good. So I'm not very far, but I think after seven years, it's probably good to, to do it slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you... Whatever works for you, girl. I just know you adore that series. I'm happy for you. And it makes me very emotional. So yeah. it's hard to get through because I sit there and like I start feeling things. It happens. Yeah. It Yeah. I mean, there are some books that get really emotional and especially when we just have such a attachments to the fandom and especially when things grow like the way Outlander is. That's a that's a fairly huge fandom. And that's uh it's a world that I've lived in for at least 25 years, at least, no, mm-hmm. longer than that, you know, almost, I don't want to say, like yeah. 96-ish. So yeah. it's a world that I've lived in <laughs> for that long. So it's um, it's very, very near and dear to my heart. Oh, yeah. well, it's funny that you bring up 1996 because um, I just found, I've been looking for these. I thought I had lost them, but I found all my ticket stubs. I saved every single one of them, and I went through them in hopes that I would find it. And I found it, my Tori Amos ticket from 1996 for the Boys for Pele at TPAC that my brother took me to. I had no clue who Tori Amos was wow. at that moment because I was, I was like about to – yeah, I was yeah, two years away from being a freshman. Yeah, you were in middle school because so, I was 16 at yeah. that point, and I was at the show – so, so I just remember that was a life-changing moment, and I still have the book that I bought. But anyways, it was really cool. I was so happy I found that. And just some of the – I loved my ticket stubs just because I had – I loved concerts. Mm-hmm. I loved them. I Like, oh, my gosh, the Ryman's a great place. And I found my ticket stub for my favorite Tory concert, which was good. There's another one that's rubbed off, but I can barely see it. That's an Ani DeFranco. But Tory – and she just came out with a new album. Yes. That I, it's a big week for us. <laughs> that I thought, um, I didn't know. So it came out at the end of October. Is that when? Yes. Okay. So I didn't know it was even out. Um, and just a 
this past weekend, I was listening to my um, Amazon, like my little thing. I was trying to play music on the Echo, and I said, play Tori Amos, and then it said, we can play Tori Amos's Ocean and Ocean if you do this. And I was like, oh my God, that's a surprise <laughs> thing because I didn't think it was out yet. So I made Chris do whatever we did, and then today, today is the day that I figured out that it actually had been out longer, <laughs> and it's on Apple Music, which I use all the time, but did it, I just felt like such a dummy. Anyways, I sent you a text that, like, I thought I was some special kind of person that I was like, oh my god, I've got it. Like, <laughs> I'm going to listen to it, and but no, I'm not. Actually, I'm behind. <laughs> Everybody else had been listening. Yeah, we had listened to it, uh, I think, last week while we were playing Yahtzee. <laughs> it's we a had ri- it on. I like it mm-hmm. a lot so far. But, um, yeah, so that's been exciting. And we're really getting into this book, by the way. Yes. I'm enjoying it. Yes. I mean, we are really getting in there. Well, yeah. And uh, I'm just so excited. And we're getting close to the end, which is just so weird. Which, by the way, listeners, we have actually kind of scheduled this out in case you want to know. As long as... Nothing goes wrong in between now and the end of December. We have it set up where, like, we will be finishing the very, like, we will finish Rule of Wolves right at the end of December. So that is the plan, and let's hope we can get to it. That's what we're trying to do. And then we'll take a small little break, and um, I'm just going to say we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming in the new year. The website's coming along really well. We're finishing up some really cool stuff. Some new designs, some cool little, um, neat little cartoon images. We've always had one of me as Ismrud. Well, we need one from Terry, <laughs> so I'm just saying. We've got some cool new art coming and um, some really awesome interviews. Yep. They're really going to be awesome. We can't say anything except for that, but we're just going to say stay tuned, and um, we're not going to say a single thing, but you will want to because it's going to be awesome. We're very happy. Very. I just want to talk about it, <laughs> but I can't. No. We can't spoil the surprise. We're not going to. Mm-mm. But you can't make us. We love you guys, and that's how this all happened because every accomplishment that we get is because of the listeners, because yeah. we have you listening, and because you have shared your passion for listening to this with a friend. So. You guys are the ones that have helped us, so thank you so much. And it's like a it's like a circle. We couldn't do it without them, and we do it for them. Exactly. So it's kind of like you're doing it for yourself. Yeah, and we're kind of the middle people. It feels like that a <laughs> lot, um, especially when it's just like you and me. Just I feel like it's just you and I always keying. Well, and, yeah, because we enjoy it so much. Yeah, it, it's perfect. So, well, you know what. How about we just go on and get up into this book? All up in it? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I'm first. Chapter yeah. 32. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, we are following Mayu. Mm. Uh, remember that we were in the labs last time. We've yes. been at the lab for a little bit. Yeah, the, they've yeah. been kind of like short chapters. And last thing is Maki finally will, she ain't going to be on the throne because grandma say no, no. Yeah, Grandma showed up and was like, mm-mm, mm-hmm. mm-mm. So while Ari is outside talking to her grandmother, the rest of them are hanging out in the laboratory, laboratory. 
Um, Ram (laughs) wants to go on like a tour. Like he wants to take this band on tour and like show everyone like what Maki has done. Do it. Yeah. He wants... He wants to like tell all the horror stories. He's he's telling a few right now, but he wants to tell everybody. Get some groupies, um, go yeah. around, do it. Mm-hmm. Some caragood groupies. <laughs> um, and it's it's obvious that he and Bergen are really close too. That they've created this like bond together. Um, when Ari comes back in, she tells him that they're going to the Summer Palace to ref- to have some refreshment and figure everything out. That <laughs> sounds so lovely. I know. And they talk about how it's like a little tiny place. And I'm like, I don't even care. I want a summer palace. I do too. I mean, <laughs> Can I have a summer palace? let's all just go to our summer palace. I know. I but, always, I picture it with like flowers oh, and little yeah. ponds and. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. And, and free time. <laughs> and reading time. Yes. Mm. Ooh, all right. Well. <laughs> Uh, Bergen makes a comment at this point that he doesn't think Maki will be punished at all for what she did, but we'd like to think so, right? Like, we'd like to think yeah. that something is going to come of this. I understand. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's like, it's it's royal family. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a lot in between, like, just because the people of the country might feel a certain way, I mean, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of in-between people. There's a lot of gatekeepers in between. I know. I um, thought that was funny. Um, (laughs) In between the citizens and actually people that would have control over that stuff. So I can see why they don't think she would be punished. Yeah. And I think, too, they were thinking that if if Maki got in trouble for this, then it would also kind of have a black mark on all of the Taban women. So it would it would look bad on all, the whole family. Um, but, so they're not gonna want that to happen. So that they probably they think that she's not going to be punished because of that. Because of that, yeah. But see, that's so stupid because that's what all and a lot of stuff like that in the world happens all the time, where important information needs to get out, and people are so worried about their image that it doesn't get out, and then like that's what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Just saying. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> As they're talking about where Bergen and Ram will go from here, Mayu was summoned to tell her testimony. Queen Lady thanked her and told her that she'll stay on as Ares' guard. Mm-hmm. Convenient. She also says that all the labs are going to get shut down. Uh, Maki will no longer have any authority over the funds. And the care good will be offered sanctuary. Mayu does not agree with this. <laughs> I can imagine. She is like, oh, excuse me. And she actually argues with the queen, which means like she has come a long way as yeah. a character because remember, she is like the soldier who is supposed to, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And she's actually arguing her opinion about this. Um, and it comes out through all of this that Ari, she was the intended heir. It was supposed to be Ari. Wow. Um, and Maki just took it over they have confession signed by maki that states this and if she is naughty the queen is going to release those documents just a little nice little blackmail that's exactly what it is (laughs) (sighs) you know just a nice casual (laughs) day at the summer palace constantly wave this over your head no big deal exactly Uh, we're gonna do it politely though (laughs) yeah 
Tamar brings up the fact at this point that Maki has signed a treaty with Ravka. I don't know if we remember back when uh, Ari and um, and Nikolai were getting married. He had Queen Maki sign um, a treaty that would help Ravka in this war. Um, but Queen Lady does not care. She does not give a fig. Firda has gotten fig. to her. Fig, yeah. Newton. I love figs. Um, they told her that if they that if um, Shu Han stays neutral and the, the Firdans ended up occupying Ravka, that they will honor the Shu border. Tamar argues that without Ravka, there will be no one to stand between the Shu Han and Firda if they become untrustworthy. So, like, you know, how can you trust the Firdans? So, so that's that's uh that's Tamar's argument there, and the queen again doesn't care. Um, her response isn't something that we want to hear, really. But I thought it was kind of epic, so I put it in here. Oh yeah! If the wolves come howling, we will face them. For now, the fox will meet them on his own. End quote. And the end of chapter. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a it's, great quote for us, but it's kind of a fun it's quote. A- I think it's a pretty poignant one for our book, though. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Definitely. And for those of you YouTube watchers, um, hope you enjoyed just that one minute of me trying to wrestle and figure out how to pour (laughs) myself some tea and pour some for Terry. You'd think that we'd have an easier setup, but we've actually made it kind of difficult. Yeah, I feel like it's things are farther I, it, away than they used to be. We might need to work on that. <laughs> and now there's new things in the way and well, things change quite a bit. So they do. we have to learn new new things. So again, that's one of the great things about watching on YouTube. You get to see all kinds of fun little things. Yes. I like would, that whole time I was talking, you would have no idea if you were just listening all the shenanigans that just happened. Exactly, because I'm not the most graceful. <laughs> um, but surprisingly, um, we're good. It's not everywhere. You I was, did it. I was trying so hard to make sure that it got in your your cup, and I was scared it wasn't. And I was like, <laughs> anyways, it was fun. But you okay. did it, and that's the important part. I did. So the next chapter is really actually really good. It's chapter 33, and it's titled The Monk. So we know who that is. And just to remember where we left off there, pretty much we've got the Darkling has got followers now. He's introduced himself and yeah. So. Yeah, now that he's shown, now that the priest has actually shown that like he's got these Darkling powers, now everybody's like, oh my goodness, (laughs) the Darkling. Yeah, but they don't think he's a Darkling. They think he's got just these powers. That were given to him by the Darkling. Correct. Yeah, so they're... They're believers. They're true believers now. And they believe he is Yuri. So um, to be honest, I'm not even sure what we want to call him now. Um, The chapter does call him the monk, but he does go by Alexander, um, also known as the Darkling, the Starless Saint, General Kerrigan, Ben Barnes. (laughs) We might as well throw in the artist formerly known as Prince. But I just feel like there's so many names. And we're just a heads up. There's going to be a new one in this chapter. Um, Wait for it. Um, Anyways, uh, I do have to keep reminding myself, though, that this is not just the Darkling, that he 
He's rented out a lovely spot. He's rented out a room. He's got mm-hmm. a flatmate. Yes. Yuri. <laughs> um, I never thought of it that way, but for some reason that kind of like just popped out in my head. Um, I keep on forgetting about him until this chapter um, because Yuri has kind of all of a sudden grown some and he's he's very cocksure. I really wanted to use that word. I've never used it. Um <laughs> I wanted to make sure I, I found a way to use it. So, um, yes. Is it one of those, like, word-a-day dictionary things? Mm-hmm. You're... Cock-sure. The word of the day. Yeah, so he's very cock-sure. So I'm just going to call him cock-sure Yuri. That's um, four. Yep. So he has his, um, anyway, he's got his band of brainwashed followers. Obviously, they're, like, following him. And here's a quote. Alexander had no way of knowing where the Fjordans would attack. So he would brought his followers, and they were his now, to the area north of Adena to await word of battle. But they insisted on journeying west into the fold to spend their nights in the commune with the Starless One. I'm right here, he'd wanted to shout. He had no choice but to oblige them in a, in a pilgrimage to the Holy Sands. End quote. So, um, yeah, he's wrestling with the fact that he can't say who he is, which I'm sure is probably really frustrating for his character. Oh, yeah. He wants everybody to, like, recognize him. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, he wants the recognition. Absolutely. Um, so the fold, if we just remember, I mean, ever since it's actually gotten torn apart by Alina, it is now just gray sand. Nothing else. That's it. Not a single tree. There's not, like, some convenient little motel halfway through that you can stay at or anything it's just dried sand dried sand of course it's dry yeah Yeah. but so they have and it doesn't sound exciting but they have had to pack food and things and listen to this lovely menu they have dried meat flat beer a little water and hard tack Mm. Mm. Oddly enough, that's what I'm having for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Oh, well, do you know what hardtack is? Isn't it like... um, Because I had no clue. I I knew at one point. Well, that's okay, because I looked up the definition, because I wanted to know what it was. Um, The the actual definition is a simple type of biscuit or cracker made from flour, water, and sometimes salt. Hardtack is inexpensive and long-lasting. It is used for sustenance in the absence of perishable foods, commonly during long sea voyages, land migrations, and military campaigns. So, yeah, that's come up in several other books and other like historical things. That hardtack. Yeah, I'm sorry that because it was easy to carry. Yeah, but that just sound that word hardtack sounds delicious. Ugh. And I love that, like, the actual definition says, and sometimes salt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes. Just a little bit of flavor. <laughs> Anyways, um, learning a lot of stuff these days. Um, so this now is time for our scene. And this is different because Terry's going to be playing Chernov, which if you need a little reminder, that is one of the leader, the... He's definitely up there with the Starless Saint. He's, um, like, I mean, cult, not the Starless Saint. He's um, definitely with um, the followers. He's one of the main men. And um, I will be playing the Shadow Summoner or Yuri or whatever you want to call him. 
got a lot of different names. But this is a lovely conversation between them. Special thank you for our background music created by Kinder Dantes in year 26. Are you ready, girl? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, oof, get rid of the stage fright. I love he's here every week. Where did you come by such military knowledge, Yuri? He'd been a soldier himself before. He'd deserted to join the ranks of the Starless. During my time with the Priest Guard, he lied. Yuri had never so much as held a gun. He'd been happy as confined to the library. We need more weapons, he said. Chernoff's furry brows rose. Why? When the Starless one... We don't dictate the arrival of the Starless Saint. We have to be ready to defend ourselves. Are they all so eager to die, he wondered. They believe, came Yuri's reply. They believe in you. All for the best, but war was war. There's a cache of weapons at the old fort east of Rivost, Brother Azarov said. I was stationed there for a time. You think they'll still be there, Alexander asked. If the Starless One watches over us, they will be. Alexander had to fight not to roll his eyes. If he remembered correctly, the old fort had been all but decommissioned and used as an ammunition stockpile. We'll go there tonight, he said. After services. Of course. After nightfall, they hitched a wagon to two of their horses and traveled to the old fort. Getting past the guards was easy enough. The only challenge had been summoning Shadow to cloak their movements without revealing his power to Brother Azarov. But their luck had quickly turned. This is it, Alexander asked. Looking at the crates of decrepit weapons, he picked up one of the old single-shot rifles. We might as well try to slap them to death. The Starless One will protect us. Alexander studied Brother Azarov in the dark room. You're a soldier. I was a soldier. Very well. You were once a soldier, and you would walk onto the battlefield with nothing but your faith to protect you? If that is what our saint requires. Alexander should be glad of that. Faith, that all it had taken was a bit of shadow play to get these people to march into war with him. So why was he left uneasy? Will you protect them? End scene. Mm. So that last little part, will you protect them? That was obviously Yuri. Like, yeah. Yeah. So um, anyways, it's just I I find that fascinating, too, about people. Um, I don't know if I want to go into it that much, but just like, you know. It's very cult-ish. Yeah. yeah. You know, like going into it's it. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a polite way to compare it to something. It's, it's is there just, not? <laughs> it's just very cultish. Yeah, just the fact that like very extremist, especially when it puts your life in danger. Yes, like I mean, it's it's like someone breaking into your house with a gun and you just running at them naked. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, and just hoping that you would scare them away. Yeah. Anyways. I'm glad I was able to talk about that. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, the Darkling begins to remember the very first army he built. Okay, so this, of course, is my geek out. I'm sure Terry knew that I was going to 
crap over this time this because I love the history of this world and we get a little snippet of it right here. So the Darkling remembers the very first army he had built of Grisha. At that time, it was the king was Yevgeny Lansov, and his entire reign he was fighting the shoe. So he was fighting the shoe at the border. Alexander went by. Here's this little note I said. A new name, Leonid. Do you think that's how you say mm-hmm. it? L e o n i d. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Leonid. Sure. Okay. So he went by Leonid then and was actually was the first darkling to offer his services to a king. His mother warned him not to expose himself and his very unique powers. She said, once you are known, you cannot be unknown, she warned him. So we know that's Bagra. And... We have to remember, Shadow Summoners 1 are very rare. Besides the fact that Grisha are hunted, they're a very rare Grisha. Mm-hmm. And also, we do know this. He's an amplifier. Yes. Um, and that is a very big deal, mm-hmm. especially when... If you think about it, if Grisha find out like that you're an amplifier, what if a lot of them got together and like they just wanted... Yeah, kill you and just chopped up your bones so they could. So it's a it's a pretty big stake to make. But this is what's really crazy. And um, so I guess Leone has been waiting for this his whole life, and he has been waiting for a king like this, open minded, um, and pretty much in a desperate position where he could go and offer help. And he does. So he goes to Azalta. Um, what's neat is we learned that the Grand Palace hadn't even been built then. At that time, it was just wood and stone. The king told him to go to the border and fight against the shoe, and if he was victorious, he would be rewarded. So, of course, we know he goes, he wins, he comes back, and the king gives him gold, but he refuses it. And here is his reply. Get ready for this, peeps. <laughs> There are others like me, Grisha, living and hiding. Give me leave to offer them sanctuary here, and I will build you an army the likes of which the world has never seen. End quote. Okay, I'm sorry, but huge. Like, the Darkling this entire time has always said he has always fought for Ravka and for Grisha. Yes. And, like, even though sometimes... It's been hard to see that and think that he really has. This is kind of like putting a pin and saying how true that is. That, like, I mean, th- he he didn't take the gold, um, which he could have used, by the way, because I know that he was poor then, so that would have helped him. And instead, he really, like, I just think that's very interesting. And he travels around Ravka trying to convince Grisha to come back with him. Some do, some don't, but he has this dream of actually building like a sanctuary for the Grisha. That's true. I just found it, you know, it it's shocking, but to me a little bit just because it makes him very relatable and vulnerable and we don't have that from him. Right. It also because when he's arguing, like when he is this villain to us and he is arguing that I have always done 
what is best for Grisha, we're like, we roll our eyes and we're like, yeah, yeah okay. Right. Um, but now here's the backstory and we're like, oh, well, I guess maybe in his own mind, he always has done what he thought was right. Exactly. And if we pay attention to like where Yuri, this entire, like even in when we first met Yuri, there are people that like have said that they, yes, the Darkling has done some crazy things, but he has done it out of protecting the country or protect. And like, to be honest, you know, I mean, in war and things like that. Yeah. Sometimes like, I mean, it just depends on what side you stand on, on how ugly or terrifying it is. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we do like, it's just, that's what war is like. And so it just brings a whole new aspect in and a whole other side that I haven't seen in him. And I I, I just think that's neat. Um, So one thing that we didn't um, miss out on and that has always been there is there's an apparat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this apparat keeps telling his king that the saints will punish Ravka for harboring witches under their roofs. So, of course, like, he, like, I mean, there's going to be backlash. Um, the Ravkin people, I mean, they're taught that Grisha are witches and whatever, bad. So there's going to be backlash. And um, this apparat is very persistent. I guess he goes every single day to the throne, throne, throne room, oh. throne room, and goes before the king and just talks to him until, suppo- like, and she put this in there, until he is red in the face and pretty much has no breath. So, and then, one day, suspiciously, he keels over and dies, um, which is hinted very strongly that no one might have known. Possibly a heart render could have been in the corner. What? Hmm. Why? Nah. Uh, yeah. Well, don't worry. They replaced him. But this next apparat um, had a whole other way of thinking. He preached the tale of Yaramir and St. Felix at the first altar, a story of extraordinary soldiers who had helped a king unify a country, and two years later, Alexander began work on the little palace. So, that's when that happened, excuse me. Um, but, it's, I think that's neat. We, we have an apparat that believes, I guess this is probably... First time that you kind of have a apparat that believes the saints have a connection to the Grisha, maybe? Well, yeah, I guess. Because if he's like, because he's being so like, he's okay with it. I, I think that's what he's saying without saying it. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, Alexander really thought he had finally found a safe haven for his people. But as time has shown, the world never changes. People still were frightened of the Grisha. And here's his quote. His first soldiers were dead now. Lovers, allies, countless kings and queens. Only he continued on. Eternity took practice, and he'd had plenty of it. The world had changed. War had changed. But he had not. He'd traveled, learned, killed. He'd met his half-sister, who had herself passed into legend and sainthood. He'd searched the world for his mother, mother's other children, hungry for kinship, for a sense of himself and others. He discarded his past lives like a snake shedding its skin, becoming sleeker and more dangerous with every new version of himself. But maybe he'd left some part of who he was behind in each of those lies. End quote. Okay, there's a lot in that little space, but 
it just one it makes so much sense um i think that it's just kind of showing us the progression of where the darkling has started and how he he's longed for family pretty much and he went and finally found he found a sister yeah um and just kind of neat so and unfortunately the little palace that he wanted to be a safe haven i mean it's a safe it it still is a safe haven, I believe. It's a place that they can go, but you can't protect. There's always going to be people against you, always. I think that's just a good lesson for anybody. Mm-hmm. Alexander now comes back to reality, and they are actually at the edge of Adena. Um, and Brother Azarov asks if he's ever been there before. And they have this lovely little conversation about how this, I guess, is Sankt Lisabetta's town. Mmm. Um, anyways, it just kind of randomly happens, but Azarov asks Alexander, who are you? Apparently, he knows that he's not Yuri. That's what he, his whole thing is. He's like, you are not Yuri. I, 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 you're just not. Um, and Azarov cries to brother Chernov, so he, Okay, they're on the outskirts. I'm sorry. I guess I should have done a little bit more um, backstory. Azarov and the Dar- and Alexander are still at the wagon, and his the followers are inside the town, just kind of on the outskirts, buying stuff at market. So they're probably maybe I don't know, you know, maybe quarter mile away. Um, anyways, so that is what I'm trying to say. Is Azarov then starts to scream, trying to get Brother Chernov's attention, who he sees like picking a watermelon or something, and he waves and he's like, like whatever. Um, but he doesn't doesn't come. Um, so um, he keeps um, Alexander ends up getting in this fight with him and ends up having to shove him behind the cart. Um, Alexander tries to keep him calm trying to kind of like let him understand like you know what this has just had to be done and you just hang on just a minute because you'll see what really is cool azarov is not given in he says i know evil when i see it and the darkling responds maybe so and at that moment he harnesses his merzost and creates a nietzsche voya who then kills azarov bye-bye bye-bye and um, so at this point, um, he's in his head thinking, how do I get rid of this body? And his little friends are starting to come back from town. And he's like, how do I do this? But it is interrupted because he starts to hear shouting. And the shouting is coming from the town. And he looks up and what does he see? It is the blight, but in motion. It is coming through that town right now. Everybody's running for it. It's kind of like Twister. They're all just running to get out. Um, And it's crazy because Alexander has the thought of, like, what does he do? um, And he thinks that he should be running away from it, but he doesn't. And he stays. And... It, it goes through, like, and the blight comes through, and he feels it, and um, it's, it's just crazy, because all of a sudden, he opens his eyes, and um, he's still there. Like, it, it didn't make him disappear. Um, but what has disappeared is that wagon and that body. So that's a nice little cleanup for you. 
Uh, yeah, very convenient. <laughs> yep. Um, so Chernov survived, and when he makes it to Alexander, he says that um, a bless the Starless One definitely has blessed you because obviously you're still alive, and when the Darkling returns and is granted sainthood, this blight will be no more. So that's what he thinks, which is funny because it reminds me just to this one thought of when 45 told us that in November of 2020, COVID would just vanish. Oh, just wanted to say, I don't know if anybody remembers that, but I thought that was funny because it was just going to vanish supposedly. Anyways, here's a question. So why do you think the darkling wasn't killed by the blight? I know that's like, I'm putting I'm not putting it on the spot. I'm just, I, cause there isn't an answer there. I'll read you what is written. Yeah. Which, it's, it's hard because you think that there's a a collation between the two, like that there has to be something similar in the blight and the darkling with so his powers because it's a darkness. So we thought. So like you think, like especially in the very beginning, you think that he's part of it. <laughs> and even the darkling, because I mean, he in this moment when it's coming towards him doesn't think he's going to survive. So mm-hmm. even so he doesn't. It, yeah. So clearly he doesn't have anything to do with this. Um, but I can't, I know you're going to read it and I can't exactly remember what they, what they say, but I think that there is something like between the two. That's, it's almost like a recognition, I guess, of <laughs> darkness, but Hey, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the quote is, And why had it spared him? Perhaps it recognized the power that had created the fold. Or maybe the blight was drawn to life, and it had sensed something unnatural in him, something it did not thirst for, end quote. So (laughs) that kind of made me laugh. That is kind of true, though, because it is going through these places and taking the life from things. And um, I guess... He's the only thing that it's passed through that's like... Although if the cart's gone, then... <laughs> well, maybe, but but the card but, is matter. Yeah, maybe this is maybe the darkling just doesn't have a good taste. What if when it came through, it completely like destroyed Yuri, but left the darkling? You know what I mean? See like that? it came through and like got rid of Yuri's body oh and left the darkling standing there. Like, um, <laughs> I'm exposed. That you can't hide anywhere. <laughs> The cart's gone. <laughs> um, it leaves you wondering. It's kind of interesting because we've thought this whole time that it had a connection. Mm-hmm. And then to find out even that the Darkling doesn't even... He doesn't be- understand it. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't understand it and doesn't and believes that he most likely is probably going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, it leaves you really pondering. Um, and this thing, and you're right. I mean, like, it, it takes out everything that is living. So it's got to have something to do with that. But I want, I'm going to say, I just think that the Blight has tastes and it just doesn't think that the Darkling tastes good. <laughs> it's hungry for everything else, but his, whatever he's got going on ain't that, yeah. Hmm. He, he's, he's sending that back. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's going back to the kitchen. Anyways, so they begin their new plans to retrieve new supplies since they disappeared. And the Darkling is resting, looking up at the stars, and he thinks about how once they get to, once this war gets going, and once they get to fight, he's going to actually let his Nietzsche Voya come out 
and he's going to ha- make his big reveal. The Darkling has returned, and he's here to snatch the crown. The winner of RuPaul's Drag Race receives one year supply of Anastasia Beverly Hills. <laughs> That's how I kind of <laughs> felt. Yeah, so he's going to have this big reveal, and he's excited about it. That's the end. That's it. Chapter. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he might even win a cash prize of $100,000. Doll hairs. Yeah. I love thinking about the Darkling as like being a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race. That would be interesting. Mm. Imagine if we had like some kind of like contest with all of the characters from the Grishaverse, like trying to do some like a, some kind of like, ooh, that's a good idea to come up with and do some kind of like commercial <laughs> for like some kind of reality show for the Grishaverse. Oh my God. Or game show. Anyways, okay, so as you know, it's that very special time for Grease Cat News. <laughs> so. Besides the lovely little news that I told you in the beginning, we don't have any more, but please, everybody, send your prayers and food (laughs) stamps and everything because our Grisha in the field, Alex, is still out there. So two weeks with no news, and Alex is just hanging there waiting for us. Thanks for hanging in there. Um, Anyways, um, thank you so much, listeners. Thank you, Fable listeners. And um, next week, we'll be covering chapters 34 and 35. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. So it's exciting. And um, yeah, please follow us. And um, if you have Apple Podcasts, please make sure to review us there. And um, we do love um, talking to you guys. So anyway, we love you all. And oh, I have to mention this. We are so close to 1,000 followers on Instagram. Like, so close. So, if you guys could tell your friends, if you guys can get us there, <laughs> I'll give you a treat. I don't know what it is. I mean, we are a treat, but we'll give you an, a, something. We'll do something special, I promise. Um, anyways, okay. I've talked enough. I love you all. Have a lovely week, everybody. Long live the Grishaverse. Like, we're at the end of the hour, so my voice is a little husky. No mourners. No funerals. This has been GrishaCast. Connect with us on the web at GrishaCast.com. Send an email to info at GrishaCast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and not really TikTok at CreasyCast. Thank you so much, Kendra Dantes and Year 26 for the amazing background music. And of course, our staff, Chris, Alex, Sid, Michelle, and Amber. I looked at the camera. <laughs>